Welcome to the Inside Edge. Blue Jackets getting set to get back to work tomorrow night in Philadelphia against the Flyers. They'll get back to work quickly, and they're going to go back to back in Philly tomorrow night and at home against the Pittsburgh Penguins, two Metropolitan Division teams they haven't even seen yet this year. They're going to see them over the course of the next two days. I'm Bob McElligot along with Jody Shelley. Coming up later in the show, we are going to be joined by Blue Jackets all-star defenseman, Zach Wierenski. But Jody, let's go back to this last road trip that the Blue Jackets finished up on Saturday in Florida. I'll tell you what, as uh, the saying goes, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. That's what that road trip was. Carolina, best of times. Blue Jackets having arguably their best game of the year, a complete 60-minute effort, and a 6 to nothing shutout of the Hurricanes. The worst of times came 48 hours later when they ran into a buzzsaw that is the Florida Panthers and lost that game 9-2. to As good as they felt on Thursday night, it was a very quiet flight home on Saturday night. Yeah, and that's tough. I mean, that's tough for the team. You think of the players, the coaches. It's, um, you know, you think you got something figured out. And what a game by the Blue Jackets against the Carolina Hurricanes. To a T, everything was done right. The way Elvis stopped pucks, the way the defensemen worked with the forwards to get the pucks out of the zone, the way the guys attacked the net, like Bemstrom on that first goal, it ended up being the game winner. But he's in the blue paint battling second, third opportunities. Confidence is high. But then you look at Florida, their confidence was extremely high. They put up seven against the Dallas Stars the night before. It was a back-to-back. The Blue Jackets come into Florida. And, you know, I go back to the first shift. I, I I see a confident team in warm up, a confident team on the initial draw. Boone wins it back. Uh, they get up the ice. And immediately, Patrick Line has got a chance in the middle of the ice at the top of just below the top of the circles in front of Bobrovsky. And he shoots it wide. And I'm thinking, ah, oh, now think about that. That puck goes in the net past Bobrovsky. You've your confidence is right back where it was. And you're thinking, here we go again. But in Florida, that's how good you have to be because they keep the play inside the lines, if you know what I mean. They don't they don't miss by much they're they're flying high they've got speed and they just keep coming and that snowball just started building building and the energy inside um their 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 fans were electric they wanted 10 goals they were chanting that after the third goal all night long yeah it was deflating and the blue jackets you know it's a young team it's a team that Uh, I think a majority of the players understand the details. And I say details a lot because it means it's not about your shift going out right now and scoring a goal. It's about going out there and making sure that you work together in the team concept in each zone. And maybe you do get a chance. You don't know when you're going to get a chance, but you take care of the puck. And there's some players that continually turn it over or things get a little sloppy and, and, you know, passes were a little bit off. I, I credit the Florida Panthers for a lot of their, the victory, but I still see areas where tape to tape pass uh, in Carolina, that game uh, they won. They took the first option. We talked about it during the game. We were broadcasting it together. They took the first option available and, and made it work to a T, whether it was an open put man, pass it hard, whether it was a shot, shoot it hard. And that gave them the chance to get in on rebounds. The other night in Florida, they didn't even generate enough to get in and find rebound chances. And so the game got away from them quick. 
there was no stopping it. You could feel it was over uh, at you know, four or five goals. And, and then that's when things just kind of fell apart. And, and uh, the look on Boone Jenner's face after he did finally score uh, summed it up. He was so mad. He was just embarrassed. Um, and now we'll see what happens. The Blue Jackets have to look ahead. And, uh, but those moments, you know, you're not going to have a perfect season, uh, but it's just discouraging on the front where, A, you said it, they were high. It was confident. They were good. And then they got low. I want to ask you because you've said numerous times before that Carolina game when we were talking, you said you think that the Carolina Hurricanes are the best team in the National Hockey League. And, and I'm not just asking you to compare based on the two games you saw that, like, Carolina didn't play well against the Blue Jackets, but you've seen the Florida Panthers now up close and personal. Do you still feel that Carolina is a better team than they are? No, I think I think Florida has an edge just because they've got a physicality to them. And I'm going to say their goaltending's better. And, you know, I say that, but this team is scoring averaging six goals a game or something. You know what I mean? So when you when you have when you're a goalie, I would I would think you're pretty confident knowing that your team is going to go out there and get you seven goals a game how good do uh, you have to be i mean really you have to be so is that really an argument i don't know I, I mean you know he's better than he was uh last year definitely he's improved um but you know i look at the team defense of carolina uh they took it to the bruins last night they put up i think it was seven goals last night against the boston bruins and the boston bruins are they're rolling pretty good uh and that was in Bo a game in boston so when I look at Carolina, I still think they're right there with the Florida Panthers, but the Florida Panthers, they play high octane all the time. Their skill is strong and fast and their team, the way they play within their team concept is impressive. Um, I think the best thing that happened to the Carolina Hurricanes in the past seven days was the Blue Jackets beat them 6 nothing. I think that that was a little bit of a, one of those moments during a season where they were getting ready for Boston and they went in there. I think they beat the Canucks just before that game, right after the Blue Jackets, and they kind of flexed it. So I would give the slight edge to the Florida Panthers, but I still really like the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, their center icemen are great. Their D is really good. You know, Slavin didn't play against the Blue Jackets. I know that's just one player. Uh, but they were off a little bit and the Blue Jackets played an outstanding game. So, but to answer your question, I'm taking the long way. Florida gets the edge. Carolina is right there with them. Just not, I don't know. There's just a different bit of toughness with the Panthers right now. Here's where I think there's a comparison because you're talking about two teams that again, can play high octane and they can score a lot of goals. We all know it gets to be, well, this year, it won't be late March. This year, it's going to be mid to late April when the season comes to an end. And the goal totals normally start dropping at that point. You get into the playoffs, and all of a sudden, the goals are so hard to come by. So it's, um, you know, to me, and this is looking way ahead, I get it, but are they going to be able, both either one of these teams, are they going to be able to continue to score at a high rate? And both have questionable playoff goaltenders. Frederick Anderson for the Carolina Hurricanes. And yes, Sergei Bobrovsky is playing better for the Florida Panthers, but when it gets to the quote unquote tournament, it's a different style of play and the focus is so much bigger. So yeah, I, I think they're really comparable in a lot of ways. You know what? That's a really good point. Um, 
ask the Edmonton Oilers if it's going to dry up because they were the hottest team with the highest octane offense in the league to start. And boy, is that gone dry. And, you know, all sign it's, they can't get a save. You know what I mean? That's, and it's a timely save. They have a good goalie in, in Koskinen. And he's just, confidence is low the team when when your goalie can't make that save at that time things dip so expect things to dry up a little bit but you're right it's the grind of the playoffs and, and if you look at the east right now bob the way the playoffs are set up you've got carolina you've got tampa florida and toronto so that means florida would play toronto the first round is going to be an absolute car crash you know it's going to be you have to you want to win your division so you can play one of the one of the teams that that uh, are in the wild card I mean that's the that, that's and that's not going to be any easier right now it's Pittsburgh Pittsburgh and Boston but it, it's um, you're right that is when a team strategizes against you for a seven game series and that's what these organizations are looking at and when anytime we see scouts in the press box whether it's a Florida scout a Tampa scout a Carolina scout they all need one or two more players. And it's usually that player like Bogosian, who uh, plays steady, hard, uh, can eat up a lot of minutes, hard to play against defensemen. David Savard, who was picked up by Tampa uh, last year. They want to add that piece, whether it's a forward or a D, that uh, can take them in the third round. Well, they're going to need them in the first round. Take them in the, you know game five in the third round, where it's like the grind is on. So right now, yeah, everything's great. High octane. Uh, this is not 1984, though. Uh, this is uh, this is 2022 where the playoffs and, and things in the at the end get tight. All right, let's get back to the Blue Jackets here with these next two games that they have. Philly and Pittsburgh, as I said, haven't seen either one of these teams. These teams are in really different directions. I mean, Philly was expected opposite. to be good. Yeah, opposite is right. Um, Philly was expected to be good. The bottom fell out early. Elaine Vigneault was let go as the head coach. Um, they're trying to figure out exactly who and what they are. On the other hand, you've got Pittsburgh, who has just uh, been steamrolling people. I mean, they have just been rolling right along. They just finished up a long road trip where uh, they got a huge win in Vegas to finish off the road trip. They were down 3 nothing after one. They scored five unanswered in Las Vegas. Not easy to do. And they got that win. Uh, they're Actually, the Blue Jackets, I think they get a break here because the Penguins actually play at home tomorrow night and then come to Columbus. So both teams will be on the back half of a, a back-to-back situation. But how do you see these next two games for the Blue Jackets? Well, Philadelphia has them one and nine, and they're a team that's really struggling. They're missing some key pieces. Couturier has been out. Um, Ryan Ellis has been a big hole. They had a great stretch, two great stretches this season, but now they can't buy a win. Last night in the second of a home-to-home with the Islanders, they lost in a shootout they're just going through it and you can tell it's uh, not a pleasant place right now. And so the blue jackets are hitting them at the right time and the Pittsburgh penguins, I think they've won 16 of their last 18. I mean, it, they, they've, they're on a roll and, and, you know, how can we count the penguins out? They, they just got Malkin back. They Crosby missed the first part of the year, but they have an established winning way there that they've had, forever it seems like and they just get it done so talk about a team that can play anyway it's it, this is not a team that you expect to go out and play like like uh florida and carolina where they can put up big numbers this is a team that can win three two two one four whatever it is so 
they're a well-rounded team. Their goaltending is fixed. Uh, something that Philly is still kind of looking at in their D zone. Uh, it's just two opposite teams for the blue jackets. Um, I'm excited to see both of these teams because these teams get the juices flowing. When you see Atkinson back in, in Columbus and in, in, or we see Columbus in, in Philly and we see Sidney Crosby back in, in Columbus. Um, these are good things. These are things that we missed last year quite a bit. And we talked about it quite a bit because uh, this is being in the metropolitan division, one of the best, if not the best division in hockey, it, it, it's what our fans get excited about. It'll be easy for the players to get up about blue jackets coming off a tough loss. Um, I think Philly's going to be great. And the back home Friday, boy, there's a lot of buzz about that game right now. A lot of buzz indeed, because here we are almost at the end of January and haven't even seen the Pittsburgh Penguins. There are four matchups between these two teams between now and the end of the season. Uh, speaking of matchups coming up a little bit later, uh, we'll talk about the NHL schedule, which uh, they have filled the gaps in that uh, three blank weeks in February, games have been penciled in. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But coming up next, we're going to speak with Zach Wierenski. Last week, he was named to the NHL All-Star Weekend. We'll talk to him about that and about the state of the Blue Jackets as we continue on the Inside Edge here on 97.1 The Fan. Welcome back to the Inside Edge from Philadelphia, where the Blue Jackets take on the Flyers tomorrow night. I'm Bob McElligot with Jody Shelley. And right now, we're joined by a guy that was named last week to the NHL All-Star Weekend festivities. Representing the Columbus Blue Jackets will be defenseman Zach Wierenski. Zach, congratulations on being named. What does this honor mean to you to go back to the All-Star game? Yeah, it's always a lot of fun. Um, I think uh, whenever you can be um, kind of just put in the same sentence on those teams with guys like... Um, you know, Ovechkin and, um, you know, Matthews, McDavid, guys like that that are going to be there. It's always pretty cool. Um, I'm just looking forward to, you know, being there, being around the guys, getting to know some new people uh, and just taking it all in. So I'm, uh, I'm excited for it. Well, you really know how to pick all-star games, right? Because the first time was Tampa and now you're going to Vegas. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you're, you're, you're not going to like Edmonton for the all-star game, man. You only pick the prime spots. Yeah, I'm two for two on that. I can't uh, I can't say there's really two better cities for All-Star Game. So um, I'm sure Vegas is going to be quite the show. I'm excited to see what they got in store for us. Yeah, you were talking about the, the guys that are participating in the game. Are there any guys in particular that will be on that Eastern Conference team that you're really looking forward to having as a teammate instead of an opponent? Uh, there's probably quite a few, to be honest. Um, you want to feed that puck to Ovechkin for the one timer? Yeah, I'd like that. That'd actually be pretty cool if I could uh, if I could set him up for a one timer. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think every guy that's there, that they, you know, they're some of the best players in the league, and um, on any given night, they can they can be the best player in the league. And I think just to be on the same team as, as some of those guys and um, just enjoy the weekend with them, get to know them. I think, uh, like I said earlier, it's just it's exciting, and I'm really looking forward to it. Hey, make sure even though you have all those guys that are able to score, don't change your game, man. Jump up on the play, pinch in, get right down there around the net. I mean, make a big name for yourself. I know. I know. What do you win the car? You MVP? I think I'm. Yeah. I think I'm going for the car this year. <clears throat> That's my goal. Then you can your drive brother, home. You can drive your back brother would love it. back from Vegas. <laughs> hey, uh, what about? Uh, you, there's a couple guys there you recognize and you grew, you're good buddies with Matthews and Larkin. Uh, I mean, to go to Vegas, they might even be in your traveling party if you're just going to Vegas for a good time. So that's a, a nice bonus too, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. I was talking with uh, with Dylan yesterday about it, and um, 
it's weird because like you haven't really like during the season you don't really like to spend time with your friends it's more so like when you see them when you play so a weekend like this is uh it's exciting to have you know his family going my parents are going who are good friends um you know me and Dylan are great friends obviously and then uh, I'm sure Matthews will be super busy so I'm not sure how much I'll see him but it's uh it's fun just to be there be with guys that uh kind of grew up with and have known for a long time and uh just get to share this experience with yeah, and you know what? It it's one of those events, and I was talking with Bob before the the show, and and it's nice to interact with the fans too. I mean, I think we don't get enough time to do that, especially these days. But these events, like All Star, um, the award show, remember we were there a few years ago, and to see the fans and how the NHL puts on the show and and see their appreciation for you outside of markets like Columbus, it's uh, it gives you a nice little. Uh, boost doesn't it? it gives you it's what it's about really in the national hockey league yeah 100 percent. i think uh i think whenever you can you know go to an event like this and and really see the appreciation out of the fans for um you know the players in the league and uh and the events that the nhl puts on it's it's always special um you know i think the one thing i can remember about last all-star game was walking the red carpet um you know i was a late addition to that one and it was my second year in the league probably not many people knew who i was and um, just the appreciation they had for, uh, you know, a guy like me walking on the red carpet. I could only imagine, you know, bigger names and bigger guys, but, um, but no, it's cool to see. And it's cool to be a part of. You're a big name, Zach. You got to know that that's really what it, it's neat to get out and see that other part of the universe that appreciates you. Um, three on three format. I mean, we watch, it's fun to watch. Is it almost like pond hockey where it's like, there's no coaching. You're just playing and having fun with these guys, right? Yeah, for the most part. Um, I think one of the things that kind of sticks out to me of the last All-Star game was um, how bad Ovechkin wanted to win. Um, like, because it was my first time, so I was kind of like just playing that pond hockey type feel, and um, and he was, he was he wanted to win. He was saying on the bench, he's like, we're here, like we're winning this thing. We ended up losing the first game, but um, but yeah, guys like, take it, you know, more serious than I think fans think. Obviously, there's no hitting or, you know, strict defense, but um, but guys want to win. So it's this year. I know I kind of know what to expect going into it. So uh, I think I'm going to play a little bit harder this year. Maybe you'll enjoy it a little bit more. Well, definitely differently because you've been there before. You can always, you can already tell your approach is different. So you'll probably enjoy it a lot more this year. Yeah, I think so. I think now knowing too, that I'm going where before it was the day of, I kind of yeah. got named with Jonesy being sick. Um, so I think now knowing and kind of, plan for it and prepare for it um I think I'll enjoy it more obviously like I said Vegas is probably going to put on a pretty good show so it should be yeah. fun to see that talking with Zach Wierenski he will represent the Blue Jackets at the NHL All-Star Weekend when you were just talking about Ovechkin and being kind of surprised about how badly he wanted to win um that's kind of a leadership quality of course and you know back at that time you weren't in such a leadership role here with the Blue Jackets now of course you are as an alternate captain, um, those kind of experiences, thinking about something like that, how much does that help you develop that part of who you are as a player and as a leader, just seeing how, you know, how important uh, really a meaningless game, a game that doesn't matter in the standings is to somebody that is uh, the captain of a team like Alex Ovechkin is. Yeah, it's huge. I think, I think for me, and I think for most guys, when you're young, um, you know, you kind of look at it like, you know, I have such a long career and I have all these opportunities and 
um, you know, I'm gonna get my chance in the playoffs and you know, stand the cup or whatever. And now the older I get, I'm six years in, we've made the second round one time. Um, you know, we had a bad year last year. Right now we're trying to figure it out with, with our own group, you know, hovering around 500. I think you just start to realize how hard it is to win and how few chances you get and how quickly your career goes. And, um, you know, even for a game like that, I think to win it and, um, you know, whenever you can win, no matter what the situation is, I think it's important. And uh, I think for me as a young guy, when I was, you know, 20 at that time to see that and, you know, kind of learn from how he approached it. Like you said, it's pretty much a meaningless game. Um, but no matter what the type of game is, he wants to win. I think that was huge for me. And, um, you know, something I've obviously taken with me and hopefully pass that on to guys on our team. Hey, let's talk about what you just said about where your team is. You did have a bad year last year. Right now, as you just you just described, you guys are trying to figure it out. But let's go back to the summer. I mean, when you signed your contract, uh, you bought into this thing for the long haul. And I, I think that, you know, we all knew that there were going to be bumps in the road. And then you guys got out of the gate like a – like crazy, right? I mean, you're 12 and six after 18 games and, and everything is going great. Um, is that, does that make it tougher to deal with right now? Because if you come out slowly, maybe it's easy to say, okay, this is what we knew it was going to be. We just have to fight our way through it here, but then to be, you know, so good. And now it's kind of coming back to earth. Is that tougher to deal with in any way? A little bit. I think the, the tough part is we know we can, you know, be a 12 and six team or, uh, you know, I think we, we know we can win consistently and, um, you know, we've, we've done that for 18 games to start the season. And since then we've kind of lost ourselves. Um, you know, obviously we're a young group and, and, you know, with that comes, you know, growing pains and, uh, you know, tough stretches and, and things like that. Um, you know, but I have no, I have no doubt in my mind that we're going to figure this out and, and we're going to get back in, in the win column consistently at some point this year. And, um, you know, hopefully sooner rather than later. And I think it's only going to help our group and help our team moving forward for, you know, for this year, for next year, for years to come, um, you know, obviously it's tough going through it and we still have a lot of hockey left, so you never know what could happen. But um, but I think just this learning experience for a lot of guys, you know, new coaching staff, uh, new leaders, young guys, um, you know, new faces in our locker room. I think it's I think it's only going to help our group moving forward. And, um, you know, I could like you said earlier, I bought in, you know, for the long run with this thing and, um I'm still really excited about it. So it's, I think it's just going to help us. And you said right afterwards that uh, a big part of the buy-in was you saw what the Blue Jackets did at the draft. You saw how they maneuvered that, you know, uh, the, the first round and what they did in the trade with Seth Jones, what they got back and what they added. And now pieces that you know are coming through the pipeline sooner than later, as a matter of fact. Um, but uh, I, I think what you just said there is really important too. You guys do know that you can win, even though you're not right now you do know it. So when you're looking at the big picture and you're looking at not just where you are right now and where you are at the end of the year, when you look beyond, you know that you already have some of the pieces and you know the other pieces that are coming, right? Yeah, for sure. No, I, I think, you know, the group we have right now has proven we can win. Um, you know, I know it was a small sample size and it's not the playoffs or anything, but I think it gives confidence to your group that we can do this and we can be a good team in this league. And um, I think what we're learning right now is that there's no easy nights and the league only gets harder as the year goes on. And uh, for guys that have been here, obviously we know that, and it's our job now to, to kind of, you know, help the younger guys and help new guys and, and figuring that part of the season out. Um, you know, an 82 game season is a long year. And I think early on guys are excited for, um, you know, for whatever game it is, because it's just new and it's fresh and the year just started. But 
as the as the year goes on and you kind of get to those dog days as torts would call it back you know when he was here um it just gets harder and there's no easy there's no easy games and that's what we're figuring out right now is you know we can play a great game in carolina and then the next night's an even better team in florida and just that consistency we have to find so i'm excited to you know for the future and for the rest of the season i think we're going to figure this thing out and um yeah and it's going to be good when we do you know, Zach, championship teams look back at some early years like this and there's moments or tough conversations. I mean, you talk about the youth, you talk about the future and, you know, you guys, you brought up torts, you learned a lot under torts, but have you had tough conversations with young players? Have you stepped into that role and said, um, you know, there's a way we want to do this here and it starts now. Have you taken that role yet? A little bit. Um... You know, I think I'm still new to this, you know, leadership thing, and I'm still trying to figure out how I lead. And um, I think, you know, for the most part, it's on the ice. But I think the last few weeks, I can really tell I'm starting to talk to younger guys more, um, certain things in practice to help them out. Or, um, you know, during games, I'm kind of pointing things out and, uh, you know, whether it's grabbing the whole decor, you know, as a unit and, you know, just saying we need to be better or uh, just pushing guys. I think that's starting to come with, um, with the leadership, but I'm starting to figure that out. Um, you know, how to, how to push guys uh, the right way. Uh, I don't want to, you know, be the, the bad teammate or the bad leader. I'm still trying to figure that out. So, um, I think as it goes along and as the season goes along, I'm gonna get more comfortable with, um, you know, with pushing guys and, and helping guys out. Uh, but I think as of late, I've, you know, I've done a pretty good job of it, but, uh, it's definitely different for me. You know, some teams look back at their coaches and what they establish with the, some of their teammates and, and, you know, it's not the personal achievements, it's, it's the championships. And with you guys now and you guys last year and even you, you back in college or when you won in the American League, who, is there a leader that you look back at and think the way he led or the way he just led by example, um, that's... I was impressed with that. And that's something I need to put in my leadership, uh, the way I lead. Yeah, I think, um, I think the American league, um, when I got there, our captain was Ryan Craig and then our assistant captain was Jamie Cyphers, um, on defense. I don't know who our other assistant was at the Maybe time. Mac? I think that was rotating a little bit. Um, yeah, Mac might've been, I think the A was kind of rotating on a few guys chests when I got there. But those two really stand out to me. I think just the way they they led in terms of, you know, how they come to the rink, how they approach the game, um, how they, you know, how they take care of themselves. And as a young guy coming out of college at, uh, at 18 at the time, I think just to have those two guys and, uh, and be able to watch them and win a championship with them, I think that's the type of leader I'd like to be. Uh, obviously, it's a, it's a learning curve and a work in progress, but um, you know, I was fortunate to have those two guys as leaders when I first came out of college. This is the Inside Edge. We're talking with Blue Jackets all-star defenseman Zach Wierenski. Our conversation will continue right after this on 97.1 The Fan. Welcome back to the Inside Edge. We're in Philadelphia tonight. The Blue Jackets play the Flyers here tomorrow. I'm Bob McElligot with Jody Shelley. And our guest is Blue Jackets all-star defenseman Zach Wierenski. i got to ask you about one of the greatest <clears throat> leaders in Detroit, goes back there with Steve Eisenman and Nick Lidstrom. Um, that is that is one of the great moves, isn't it? I mean, just quietly, 
everyone respects him so much around the world. I know he's a guy you grew up uh, watching and idolizing. Uh, what do you think of that move and, and what do you think that does for them? Yeah, I mean, I know how, um, you know, how important a guy like that is to the city of Detroit, obviously growing up there. Um, his nickname was the perfect human. And um, <laughs> you know, I think for him to go back there and help that organization out, I think it's a great move. Um, you know, with the knowledge he's had, with the career he's had, uh, how he thinks the game. I'm sure even from a management standpoint, he probably sees things differently than, than other people do. So, um, yeah, so I think that's a great move for them. Um, it's one guy I've never actually got a chance to meet. I'd love to meet him at some point. You know, now that he works for them, maybe I'll see him around the rink and get a chance to say hi to him. Zach, I want to ask you, uh, I just want to go back for a second here where you were talking about your American Hockey League experience because – Jody and I talk about this all the time. We both came up through the ranks in our respective fields here. And so many guys today jump straight to the National Hockey League. Cole Sillinger is a great example of that this year. 18 years old, he's playing in the National Hockey League. Um, that, that AHL experience, you know, we have found it was very good for us in, in different ways. Just learning how to act. Just learning how to uh, conduct yourself once you get to the National mm -hmm. Hockey League. Uh, you got a guy in, in Kent Johnson who's playing at Michigan right now. I mean, let's be honest, the likelihood that he's going to spend a lot of time in the American Hockey League, probably not. So a player like that and, and a player like Cole Sillinger, too, uh, they're coming in here. They don't have that experience. And you only had it for a couple of months, but you had it. Um, what can you take from that? Since they're not getting it, can you help them in any way to kind of still get some of those lessons, even though they're not probably going to make that stop? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think, you know, I, I think every career is different and every player obviously has a different path. Some guys, you know, play in the American League for a long time before making their NHL debut. And then there's guys like me who are only there for, like you said, a few months. And there's guys like Sillinger and probably Kent Johnson that might not ever stop there. But, um, you know, I think the lessons you take from it um, and the, are lessons that can be taught at any level, to be honest. Uh, I think it's just how to approach the game, how to prepare um, you know, how just the respect factor of guys in the league. Um, you know, I think that was the main thing for me is when I went there, um, just kind of earning that respect of, you know, like I said, Ryan Craig and Jamie Cyphers, guys that, um, you know, really approach the game the right way. And you don't have to do anything, you know, to, to earn that respect. I just, I just really looked up to them. And, um, you know, I, I was fortunate enough to learn these lessons with, with guys like that that have been around that have seen a lot of hockey and, um, I felt like whenever I could, you know, ask them questions or, or learn things from them, I was always, you know, listening and asking. Um, and when I got to camp the next year for the NHL, I felt like, you know, this is where I belong. These are guys that have played in the NHL. Um, you know, I've learned, you know, how to act away from the rink, uh, how, to act at, how to act at the rink. I felt like I was ready to go. So for me, the American League was a great stop. Uh, I think it's the reason my career started off the way it did. Um, but everyone's different. And I think if, you know, if guys don't stop in the American league, I think there's guys here that can help them with, you know, with lessons and, um, and things like that. Well, Cole Sillinger is also a little bit of a different story because his dad played so long in the, in the NHL and he's been around it his entire life too. Uh, let's talk about Steve McCarthy for a minute. You mentioned him a few minutes ago, but here's a guy that when you went to Cleveland, he was a teammate and a defensive partner and a guy that you look to, the, to help you grow as you were just talking about. Now he is a first year NHL assistant coach. 
Uh, you had Bradshaw there for the last number of years, a very experienced guy, a lot of playing experience, a lot of <laughs> NHL coaching experience. What's it been like to be back with Steve McCarthy and, and have him there and work just to work with him again? And how has he adjusted to the National Hockey League? It's been awesome. It's, uh, I knew it was going to be good, but um, it's been better than I've expected, to be honest. I think just with how he handles uh, young defensemen, our penalty kill, um, our young group, I think, you know, he's so fresh out of the game. He's, you know, he played five years ago. We were playing together. Um, and now he's, you know, an NHL assistant coach. So um, I've loved it. I hope he's here for a long time. Uh, I'd love to play for him for more years. Obviously, it's not up to me, but I hope, you know, I hope he is. Um, and, and he's been great. You know, I think it's a learning experience for him. Like I mentioned earlier, we have new coaches, new players. So we're all kind of going through it together. And, um, and he's been awesome for us. You know, and I asked this too. Part of it is because I was doing a show the other day and a fan asked me, about the assistant coaches, because, you know, for years they knew exactly who they were. And this year, uh, Pascal Vincent and, and, and Steve don't get talked about uh, a lot because they're two young kind of newer guys and, but they're just doing their job. And, and that's what I was trying to explain too. that. Um, it's like being a defenseman, right? If you're doing your job, then people aren't talking about you. And that's a good thing. It's usually when you make a mistake, people are talking about you. So, uh, so I, and, and he is a fun guy to have around too. And I, I, I enjoy that. But do you think for, um, you know, a younger coach and younger players, just the way this league is skewing right now, that that's a positive thing too? I think so. I think, you know, having a guy that's, like I said, is so, you know, freshly removed from the game, um, you know, he gets it. He, he gets the schedule. He gets, um, you know, that mistakes happen. Um, you know, my favorite part is, like, we'll get scored on the penalty kill. And obviously everyone's pissed and he'll come and we'll come back to the bench for the next day in the meeting. And he's like, you guys are doing great. You know, you're working hard. Things are going to happen. And he's just so positive. And I think that's infectious in a room. I think that's infectious in a group. Um, I think, you know, I, I guys have a ton of respect for him already. Him, him and Pazzy. I know we're not talking about Pazzy, but, um, but both of them, I think, you know, just with how they've approached the game this year um, in a year that's been up and down, I think it's been awesome for our team. And like I said, I hope they're, they're here for a while because it's been a lot of fun so far. Our guest is Zach Wierenski, defenseman for the Columbus Blue Jackets. And Zach, you mentioned something about Lidstrom, and I want to ask you this because we talk about the game. You get coached by coaches who see the game a certain way. Do you see it differently sometimes? I mean, I say that because when I play with Yager, name drop, he, I, um, he saw things completely different. He saw shifts early in playoff series against the defensemen they're going to play against the whole time. He wanted to cycle in the offensive zone for game one, two, and three. So for the rest of the games, those guys were worn down. Do you see things differently sometimes as a, as a guy that's out there all the time? Uh, it's actually an interesting question. Um, I've never been asked that, but I think, I think everyone sees the game differently. I don't think there's two people that see the game the same way. Um, and I think that's the beauty of hockey. And I think that's where, you know, having coaches that can understand how everyone sees the game and, and players that understand the coaches, I think that's where the, you know, that balance comes in. Um, you know, I play the game differently than, you know, Beaner plays the game and then Gabby plays the game. And then, you know, when Mac played the game, uh, we all play it differently. And um, it's just finding that balance of, you know, reading off each other, understanding each other, um, us understanding Mac, where he's coming from and the coaching staff and the coaching staff understanding players in certain situations and, um, so I think every person sees the game differently. I don't think there's two people 
that play hockey that see it the same way. Um, but I you know it's an interesting question. I've never been asked that before. Yeah, I just wonder if you were a coach for a day, what would uh, what would you do different? One thing out there. What I do differently. Um, what would you tell Zach Wierenski to do? I'd play more games in practice. Yeah, well, you're going to do that a lot coming up. Yeah. So yeah. You, that uh-huh. good part of the schedule coming up. Well, no, I'd play more games in practice. Oh, you play more games in practice. I'd play more small areas. Yeah, and then more small area games like two on two, three on three. I think that's where you can get more creative, and uh, I think you can build confidence in games like that. Guys are familiar in situations, even as a defenseman, like breaking the pucks out and stuff like that. You're you're making small, you know, smaller plays through guys' sticks. I don't think we play uh, we play small area games enough. Is that something you did growing up uh, in Michigan? Yeah, yeah we always we always start practice with a small area game. We always finish it with a small area game. I think that's where you learn to make plays. You know, under guy sticks, saucer passes. You know, moves that work. Uh, obviously, you're trying to score, but there's there's other you know lessons you can learn by playing those games. I'd, Have I, you always coach? I would. Yeah, that's what I would do first thing. That's, more, more games. I'd like to be on your team, actually. You sound like my 13 year old son, who I coach from time to time. Can we scrimmage? Can we play small area games? So yeah, they help. We should do that more. Um, have you always been really strong? I've seen my dad. Yeah, I have seen your dad, but he looks like he really uh, works at it. Do you? Uh, he do does. You have- well, a lot of some of it's genetic. He's he was. If you look at his, like his high school pictures, like he was a beast. Was he? Uh, yeah, he was. He was a beast back then. So I got a little fortunate with genetics, you know, based on him, and um, I, I work at it too. I think from a young age. Um, you know, middle school, like eighth grade, ninth grade, I started going to the gym with him and just learning the fundamentals of working out. And since then, I've, I really enjoy going to the gym and, you know, putting that work in. So um, I don't really use my strength too much, I guess, but it's there. I'm not the strongest guy in the league, but it's definitely not the weakest. I think you were looking for a fight the other night. Was that in Carolina or what? I forget yeah, where Carolina. it was. Yeah. You, you, you were, uh, you were ready to go, weren't you? Yeah, wires crossed a little bit. I was ready. <laughs> something you practice or, or just something that is in the uh, toolbox just in case you got to dig deep and pull it out? Uh, a little bit of both. I mean, I don't want to – I'm willing to fight. You know, I, I don't think I go looking for it. Um, but it's one of those things where you got to feel, feel kind of the temperature of the game. Uh, I think in Carolina there was – you know, it was a pretty intense game to start. We were – playing pretty good. They were kind of coming at us with some physicality and um, something I'm ready for. And in that moment, I, I wanted one, but didn't happen. So I guess we'll just have to wait for the next time. Maybe the all-star game against Larkin. It's maybe, never yeah, been done. <laughs> well, it was actually a year ago yesterday. I got a memory. Oh, on is that right? Yeah, that's funny. I sent it to him. It was like a Snapchat memory. It's like one year ago today. <laughs> Did you tell him one and oh, Wierenski, Team Wierenski? He just texts me back saying you're a psycho. <laughs> That's, all That's pretty funny. <laughs> Zach, I only got one more thing for you here before we let you go. Um, uh, you're a guy that just had to miss some time because of the uh, COVID protocols and the league announcing that uh, if everything continues to go back in a downward trend by the end of the month, they're going to relax those protocols and uh, they're going to stop testing asymptomatic people, which you were when you were out of the lineup. Um, from the player's standpoint, uh, are you guys happy about this? I mean, you're losing teammates. Uh, they're in and out of the lineup all the time. You just look at, you know, you're getting ready to play the Florida Panthers. You're having a morning meeting. Uh, Cole Sillinger's there for the meeting. And by game time, he's he's not in the game. And, and you're having to 
scramble, uh, Boquist, Gavrikov get put on the list. I mean, it's happened to everybody in the league. Everybody has gone through all of this, but uh, are you happy that, uh, that there is talk now and it, they're going to address it and they're going to try to keep the players in the game more? Yeah, I think it's great. Um, you know, I think there's a healthy way to do it and there's a safe way to do it. And um, it seems like the people we have working in the league and, uh, you know, team doctors and, and stuff like that, I think they have a plan in place. And uh, I think they believe that we're ready for it. And, um, you know, I think we are as well. You know, I think we have a healthy group of people here, um, you know, guys from, you know, 18 to you know, 40. I don't know how Chara is, but, um, you know, guys that are 44. Still- 44 wow um but guys that are in some of the best shape you know uh in the world and obviously we don't want to give it to other people but it seems like for the most part we're around each other and um I think majority of the guys I've talked to are asymptomatic and um so yeah no I think it's good I think if we can do this a healthy and safe way I think it's the right time for it and kind of get back to normal a little bit Zach, thank you very much. We always appreciate your time and uh, best of luck against Philly and Pittsburgh coming up this week and enjoy yourself when you go to Vegas. Drive that car back to Columbus, will you? Yeah, I will. I'll try. Thanks, guys. One of the best in the game, Blue Jackets all-star defenseman Zach Wierenski joining us tonight here on the Inside Edge. We'll wrap up this week's show right after this on 97.1 The Fan. Welcome back to the Inside Edge, getting ready to wrap up this week's show. It is so enjoyable to talk with Zach Wierenski and just get his perspective on things because he is a perspective guy. He he doesn't just give you a a rapid-fire answer. He is a thinker and and a good conversationalist. Don't you agree? Yeah, that was so much fun, Bob, because you're right. He has time for us, and he's like that with everyone, and – there's so much more to Zach Wierenski. You, you know what I mean? Like you'd start peeling back the layers. We've known him now for six years here in Columbus. Uh, he's going to be here long-term. He's relaxed. He's just a really good person. And for him to take the time and I love the way he thought out the answers. I love how he didn't just give us answers. And um, I think we're going to have to play more small area games in, uh, in, in our practices, Bob. That's a, it's good to hear that stuff, isn't it? My favorite question that you asked him was about his strength. And how he was uh, very modest in talking about uh, the strength that he has, because we see it all the time. Uh, you know, again, when he skates, it, he looks like he's gliding. Uh, remember, John Tortorella in the early years, it, it kind of drove him crazy until he realized that Zach always gets to the spot. Uh, no matter how fast it looks like he's moving, he always gets to the spot. But it's not just getting to the spot. When he gets body on body, he wins the majority of those battles. And it's smart. It, it- there is a certain thing and certain players that when you're shoulder to shoulder or you're giving your effort, they use your energy and they somehow make it easier. You make it easier on them to, to escape. And he's so good with that. And he's effortless in his stride. Um, Yeah. And and his personality, when you see him play hockey, his personality is very, very similar. And it's, it's funny to see that because there are players where you think, where you see them and you think, you know, they're high strung because they're always, you know, buzzing around. And that's right. But Zach Wierenski, he's calm. He thinks about things. He understands things. Um, and uh, he really enjoys what he's doing. And, and that really, I thought, came out in the interview. Yeah. And I think one last thing about Zach. Uh, if, uh, you know, if you said to me, pick one guy to represent your organization to the world, I wouldn't even hesitate in picking Zach Wierenski. Yeah, he's good. And, and exactly. I mean, he's, he's a guy that you would want your, uh, 
your kids to be around or, or you know, your, your anyone to be around is, is just to, to, to his approach in life. And there's a, there's a, there's a lot of guys in hockey like that, but he, he's definitely, uh, he's an exceptional kid and, and we're lucky to have him in Columbus. No question about that. The NHL has put together the schedule. Uh, they've spent weeks postponing games and trying to reschedule games. And for the Blue Jackets, Jody, when you look at this uh, new schedule, again, there were three weeks in February that had been set aside for the Olympic break. Now that the players are not going to the Olympics, they have uh, filled it in. And for the Blue Jackets, what really jumps out is, you know, they lost some road games right when the postponement started. They lost road games. And it looks like uh, in that three-week period, from a fan standpoint, it's not going to be a lot of change because a lot of the games the Blue Jackets are going to play are away from Nationwide Arena. Yeah, 11 game, uh, 11 day road trip. Uh, there's going to be, you know, I think the league is, you know, it's disappointing for the players that they're not going to the Olympics, but it's a smart play by the league. And whoever had to put the schedule together, I mean, I can't even begin to think, uh, you know, you have to credit them to do this and, and to get it done. But yeah, it's, it's going to be busy. I mean, I think everybody knew that when you saw the games being postponed, the break was long for Christmas, which you never get. So you appreciate that. It's kind of a reset. Uh, but now, uh, Zach mentioned, he, he, you know, they want to play hockey. Uh, well, he's going to play a lot of hockey now. And, and um, yeah, I think it's good. Too bad for our fans. You're right. That 11 day road trip is going to be big, but you're going to see some more games and we're going to get, hopefully get the season in, which is the goal here right from day one. Yeah, no doubt about that. Uh, and there were some games that they took and they moved around some games that were supposed to be played in April that now have been moved to February. But again, when you're putting this together, um, you know, you mentioned a couple of weeks ago, it's it's a Rubik's cube. You got to figure out how does it all fit for everybody? So, you know, maybe you were supposed to go to Washington in April. Now they've moved that into February and you're going to go there in February instead, but that's because you got to open it up for both the Capitals and the Blue Jackets and maybe somebody else to, to put together games that make sense um, when you're talking about uh, road trips and trying to make the travel as easy as you can for everybody. Well, and look at last night. I mean, last night, the Blue Jackets were supposed to be in Long Island. That got moved because the schedule down the road. So they played Philly last night. So all those little pieces got tinkered with. And, and um, yeah, they, they, did a, they did a great job with it. Yeah, and so you can uh, get the updated schedule by going to bluejackets.com. There are some games, some home games that have been added uh, right there at the end of February uh, to make up for the games that were postponed earlier. So go to bluejackets.com and, uh, you can take a look at the schedule. You can get your tickets through there as well for the games that have been added in those three weeks. Um, you know, we talked about the league a little bit in the very first segment. You've been working at the NHL Network this week, so you're always right on top of it and what's going on. And uh, what are the hot topics right now around the league? Well, there was a lot of talk about uh, Edmonton yesterday with, you know, Drysaddle was getting into a little bit with Maths and their longtime reporter out there. And the goaltending is the problem. And, and I don't know if you saw the back and forth, but, you know, Drysaddle. has been a problem for four years. Dude. I know. I know. And Drysaddle, you know, the, the um, reporter was asking him what is what specifically is wrong with the team and kind of wanting him to, to say it was the goaltender and Drysaddle, you know, they got into it. Uh, but, you know, they're not playing a lot of hockey in Edmonton right now. There's been games postponed. They're, you know, one game here and then wait four days. So there's a lot to think about when you have tough losses. Like they lost to the Ottawa Senators and, and they, they were up by two goals in that game. and They blew it. So, 
You know, as a player, I think back of those those moments when you're losing and then you have to go out there and talk and, you know, they want to get, you know, some some answers out of you. There's a lot of frustration there right now. They, they just need to get a couple wins. So that's one thing that's really a hot topic is the Oilers. Of course, everything in Canada is always a hot topic, but uh, that seems to be a big one. And then the teams that are hot. I mean, Boston was hot going to last night. Uh, Carolina has got things back on track, it looks like, after the Blue Jackets loss. A uh, lot of talk about GMs. Uh, the, there's some vacancies up in Canada, and they filled one yesterday in Montreal. Kent Hughes, former agent, he is now the general manager uh, of the Montreal Canadiens. I mean, he, he, what a job. You think about uh, organizations and positions. Uh, he's under Jeff Gordon, who was the GM of the New York Rangers, then spent some time on television. Now he's back as the president. But a lot of people think he'll be a very active president. Uh, as far as working with Kent Hughes there. So that market is going to settle. That's not a patient market, to, though, either, Bob. That's a team that uh, could be, uh, I mean, they've got a few prospects, but they want to get back on track right away. And that's not a team that's, the, that's not the same clientele that went all the way to the Stanley Cup finals last year. Weber, Price are out. Edmondson's been out all year. Uh, big defenseman. So they're, they're kind of spinning right now. They're the worst team in the National Hockey League. They're going for the top pick, and, and then they, they hope it's a retool, as Yarmo put it here in Columbus, not a rebuild. We have seen a former agent become a general manager. Yarmo was an agent once upon a time. Bill Zito, now the general manager of the Florida Panthers. He was an agent as well. You mentioned Kent Hughes going to Montreal. Um, how do you look at that as a player? Because I, I look at it, I scratch my head a little bit because it's just – I don't know. It just doesn't seem like a natural transition to me. Maybe I'm naive about that. Um, but again, it has worked. We have seen it work, but um, I don't know. Does this seem strange to you? A guy going from being an agent to all of a sudden being a general manager? Well, back in the day, New Jersey Devils, because I only know this because I was with Ken Danico last night on the air. Um, they pulled, they, they hired a guy from Providence college way back when, and this guy's was name was Lou Lamorello. And they were like, who is this guy? Lou Lamorello. Well, turns out in, in Danico's words, yeah, it turned out to be a pretty good, uh, pretty good hire. Um, you know, I don't know. I think, I think the biggest thing is compatibility and, and same, same, um, the way you look at things, the way, the way you see the game, uh, he understands the players. He's, I mean, some of his players that he represents are Bergeron, Latang. He's got a long list of very good players who hold him in a high regard. Uh, the funny thing is that now he's on the different, the other side of arbitration and, and dealing with those players. So I think there's an advantage in a lot of different areas, general manager position, your fingers are in everything. It's not just your club. It's the American league. It's junior, it's your prospects, it's decisions. It's, you know, all those big decisions to create that culture and expand on what you have. And I think if the president and general manager are on the same page and work well together and, and can, can do that, that's the biggest thing. Don't you think I'm, if we get put in that position, I'm going to hire, you have to hire someone you trust and someone that works hard to, to achieve your goal. So I, I, I think Jeff Gordon is a sharp guy. I think he's a really good guy. And I, I think that he's, he's except he knows how big this challenge is. So I trust that what he did was uh, the right thing. And, you know, other names that are out there, Bob, with former Blue Jacket, Matthew Darsh, who's the assistant general manager in Tampa with two Stanley Cups. Daniel Briere, who played in the league, who's been the GM of an East Coast Hockey League team that Comcast owns. His name is a big name out there. So, you know, these are unproven people 
uh, in that position. But I think what an opportunity to go in under a general manager who was working with the Rangers and has also been in the league for a long time. Uh, if he wants to do a lot of the lifting, perfect opportunity to be successful. Yeah, the best thing you said there, and, and you're absolutely right about this, if I was to get hired as a general manager, people would go, are you kidding me? I would probably say, are you kidding me? But you're right. It's the people that you it's the people that you hire immediately. I'll tell you what my job would be as a general manager. Get in front of the cameras and the microphones and say the right things. Right. But when it comes to uh, I'd be leaning hard on my scouts, yeah, <laughs> my, my pro guy, my amateur guy. I mean, they would have to be top notch people that, as you just said, you trust with your life. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the way you conduct good business. And you would have to speak French, Bob, to be the general manager of, of the uh, Montreal Canadiens. So, you, sorry, oui. I think you're you're out. Wee oui, wee. Oui. Oh, yeah. Well, that's a start. <laughs> I'll be getting one of those those programs, those online programs for a crash course. It's it funny because when Tampa was here a couple of weeks ago, I was talking with Matthew Darsh and, and we were talking. I, I was teasing him. I said, I keep looking at the transactions waiting for you to get named the GM of the Montreal Canadiens. And um, Jean-Luc Grandpierre was there and he said, Hey, don't forget about your, your friends. You get a job like that. And uh, Darcy looked at me and he goes, he goes, Oh, well, you can't speak French. So, Oh, we can put you on the TSN radio there. You know? <laughs> <laughs> the English speaking. So that, that yeah. was nice of him. That was nice. Hey, uh, before we wrap up, we touched on this with Zach uh, just a few minutes ago, COVID protocols. They're going to lighten them up a little bit. Um, you know, this is, <laughs> I know this has been a source of frustration for a lot of people. We all understand that there is a virus. We all understand that there are people that get sick. We, we understand that there are some people that get more sick than other people. But here's another thing that we have seen up close and personal is that a lot of these athletes are being taken out of games and they're not sick. They're asymptomatic and they are able to play and they're not allowed to play. So the league, uh, they have said that they're going to stop testing asymptomatic players. Now, this is going to be reviewed on January 31st to give the final stamp of approval, but the league and the players association have gotten together and they've talked about this. Uh, it looks like coming out of the all-star break, they're going to give you a, you have to take the test to get back in. It's like a play in round. As long as you're negative, you're back in. And then you don't have to get tested unless two reasons, symptoms or you're crossing the border. So it's going to get back basically to where it was early in the year, except the players were getting tested every three days. Now they're only going to get tested when they have symptoms uh, look, this this whole thing has worn out so many people, and I understand it. And again, I understand that it's real, and there is there is a virus. But uh, this has got to be a welcome sight for the players, especially the guys that have been sitting there with a runny nose for a day and missing two or three games at a time. Oh yeah, I mean, you know, and I, I like what the the NHL has done. I mean, the NFL started this, and then the NBA did it. Um, so you kind of stand back and see if it does work, and and see how it will work. And that's one thing the NHL does very well. They're thorough. They think ahead. They're, they're, uh, they're, they're a league that, like anyone right now, is, is adaptable. They can adapt on the fly, and that's what the, everyone has done. So, yes, and, and uh, it's a step in the right direction. And I think it's, uh, you know, it's taken time to get here. And, but what we just said and how Zach, uh, I think he said it perfectly. You know, they're healthy. Uh, and it's affecting everyone. And, and right now, this is a good, not only a good thing for the league, but it's a good thing for the world and, and everyone around us to, to be able to see and make this progress and, and show that things work. I think that's a, a great step in the right direction. Yeah. And now the, the players in Canada, they're just waiting to yeah. get their fans back. Uh, either, yeah. you know, some have no fans. Ottawa played with no fans. 
Uh, some are playing at 50% capacity. And, you know, I saw a, um, I saw a quote, was it from uh, is it Austin Watson that uh, anyway, from Ottawa, he was saying it, it's, it's just crazy because you turn on a Bruins game and TD garden is packed. And then we go to play a game and we can't have any people here. So uh, it's a, it's a frustrating thing. And of course, as we learned last year, Jody, there's <laughs> it sucks. I mean, you're yeah. going, you have a home game and you have zero energy to drop yeah. from because you have nobody in the building. Well, their medical system is different, Bob. The, the, the hospitals are inundated and you know, they, they don't want, they have to do this. So it, and I know it's discouraging to see that on TV, but hopefully these measures in, in the league can help these, these situations in Canada get better. Yeah, hopefully so. So uh, that's, what's coming up out of the all-star break. Uh, they'll relax the protocols again. As long as things keep trending the way that they have been trending, this will not become official until the league and the Players Association finally rubber stamp it, which they will talk about it on January the 31st. Blue Jackets and the Flyers tomorrow night in Philadelphia. Puck drops at 7 o'clock. Pre-game coverage begins at 6.30 right here on 97.1. The Fan and the Blue Jackets Radio Network and also on Valley Sports Ohio on TV. Thanks to Zach Wierenski for being our guest tonight. That'll do it for the Inside Edge. For Jody Shelley, I'm Bob McElligot saying so long, and thanks for listening to 97.1 The Fan.